this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. As hunting season as we know it comes to a grinding halt across the country with the end of spring turkey, it leaves outdoors men and women with a burning question in the back of their minds. What do I do now? How do I pass time until I can once again set foot into the woods or the water in pursuit of game? The avid archery hunter, he might go out to the range and he'll be sending arrows down all summer. Or out collecting sheds and patterning game for the upcoming season. But the waterfowl hunter... They might shoot some clays or service the boat or check the waders for leaks or try to find that one leak that they found while in the duck blind. <laughs> and But that will only fill so much idle time. But now is the time to be sharpening the skills of easily your most valuable hunting partner, your dog. So this week we're joined by Zach Miller, the founder and lead trainer of Southern Loon Retrievers in northeastern Pennsylvania to talk about how he trains his dogs as well as those commissioned to him for training. Zach, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, first off, guys, thank you very much for having me on. and uh, really honored to be on the show with you all today. Um, so we yeah, have very brief background on myself. was born and raised here in Pennsylvania. Uh, 12 years of a uh, good old Catholic school. Uh, when I graduated uh, high school, uh, enlisted right into the Army Infantry. And uh, shipped out 2011. Uh, got to my unit up there in uh, snowy Fort Drum, New York, 10th Mountain. Um, at this point, I was uh, within the sniper section with them. And um, we were in a recon unit with, with some cab guys. So uh, it was an interesting place, to say at least, for, uh, for me at least. Um, so what happened after that, eventually uh, I came to command that section after about three years with my contract. Um, was coming up to re-enlist or get out, and uh, we had deployment hanging over our heads, and uh, wanted to get you know get get another one on there uh, before I got out. So re-upped for about three more years, um, deployed to Iraq soon after, and um, you know we just say we did our share there. Um, came back in '16, had a year left on the contract, and uh, I do I knew I was ready to get out, and. Um, so I had a job lined up, my father, or soon-to-be father-in-law, um, and was going to be working in sales, selling bacteria to wastewater treatment plants. And it's about as boring as it sounds. Um, did that for about three years. And uh, if I'm being honest with you, the pay was awesome. Uh, really, really good pay. Uh, but I'll tell you, there's one thing I learned out of all that was that you cannot, you can't put dollar signs in place of... Uh, you know, happiness. And, uh, that was the biggest thing I found out, but I made a decision, uh, to resign from that company. Um, you know, my job in sales there and I knew immediately exactly what was going to take the place. And, uh, that pretty much brings us to, uh, to now where I'm at running dogs. So, uh, <clears throat> what made you want to start training dogs? Uh, so, I've been training dogs in general, oh man, well before I enlisted in the military. And 
had warfowl hunting in my life. Geez, for a fair portion of it, let's put it that. Um, and loving dogs, like most people, just kind of came naturally to me. When I came to training dogs, like I'm doing now, I knew it was something that was very near and dear to me. And there was always just kind of that, um, I guess you could say that simmering feeling. I didn't know what it was or really how to explain that feeling. Um, just kind of liked it, if that's you know honest way of telling it. And um, I liked the way it felt. I liked having you know someone that I could really work with, um, you know, pups to work with them and teach them in terms of learning. And uh, when it comes to me getting started in dog training, I mean, I'm, I'm completely self-taught. Uh, there's not too many self-taught trainers out there a lot of them have mentors and whatnot um so i mean uh, i've seen a lot a lot of pups run uh, i guess you could say in my time um i tried to do everything right you know b- b- before i really went professional if you want to say so i'm just trying to run you know the most honest uh, business i can now so what made you want to do it for a living uh so kind of going back to, like I said, um, it was a career change, of course, uh, you know, for the better, without a doubt. But at the same time, there was a, a, I guess you'd call it a life event for me that happened and was a little bit of a, you know, that push that usually people need when they have doubts about doing it full time or you know, kind of staying comfortable and staying where they are. Nice. So how long have you been training dogs now? I would say, let's say, put it this way. How long have you been training dogs professionally as a profession? <laughs> professionally, I, it's rough the logo, 2019. I started paying Uncle Sam in 2019, but uh, paying, you know, I've been running dogs for shoot, a long time, man. So <clears throat> now you've been running your business since 2019. How long have you been training dogs for friends or however you did that <laughs> prior to that? Oh, man. Like I said, it was definitely before the Army. I, I think the year prior so 2010 um shoot i was still in high school that was when i started really getting confident you know like okay you know what i can take someone else's dog and and train this up to what you want it to be and and, you know if you want to pay me something under the table go for it but it it wasn't i tell everyone man and a lot of people use it as a you know phrase nowadays but honestly it's not about the money i mean you can check my rates i'm one of the cheapest out there but yeah that's how long ago (laughs) Oh, you're definitely one of the the cheaper ones. They said um, yeah. Cornerstone's probably about twice your price. Oh my god! For probably about the same. Well, something along the same lines. I mean, I think me and you had a discussion earlier that you go mm-hmm. into a lot more detail mm-hmm. on it. But talking about that, what is what is the most important thing to remember when training a retriever? Um. <laughs> well, that's easy. Patience. Patience. Without doubt. Most definitely patient. Yep, you have to be a patient person to train a dog because before the dog can be a dog, it's got to be a puppy. And puppies will put your patience further than just about anything you've withstood, man. Anything. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, patience is, uh, I mean, you got to have patience. Just with with in in life in general, I have patience with my kids mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. them too. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> patience, but you know, patience is one of those things that goes back over to patience in the duck blind, patience in the deer stand, patience yeah. with a fishing rod in your hand, which is probably the most difficult time I ever have <laughs> expressing <laughs> patience. Yeah, 
I am. Uh, I'm not a big. Uh, I like to fish, but you know, being down here in Florida, I would rather go out in the salt water and sight fish the flats and not cast at all all day and just pull around until we can see a fish to cast at. All right. Then blindly cast, going. I bet there's a fish over there. <laughs> yeah, me not. <laughs> I I usually make it about an hour until I'm like, Can we start drinking beer now. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> But oh, I can man. catfish and fish for bass with shiners all day. Yes, Because I don't have to work. I just sit there in a chair and wait. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I assume fitness is an important part of uh, your training for mm-hmm. these dogs. You see a lot of uh, fat dogs <laughs> oh, yep. sure these do. days. So. What what goes into into that in that fitness is I mean what kind of food do you choose to feed your dog and why? Uh, uh well I mean shoot that's kind of a, a double question let let me how about this so so when it comes to fitness um whew, especially for gun dogs or, or uh, sporting dogs in general and it, it's imperative you have to, you just have to realize that the position I'm in and, and many others are are in you know like myself as, as you know, quote unquote pro trainers, you know, we're the coach. If you see any of these big NFL teams are, are really, or, you know, really professional athletes, you see that once they're in a program or with a team, they, they've got the best of the best. I mean, I'm talking like protein shakes on demand. Like you just think of one and it appears. And um, there's, I mean, there's really, besides the obvious things, but there's really no difference when it comes to our pups and, and, you know, going through a program because and I'm sure we'll touch back on this, but with programs, you know, everyone's got their little thing. Everyone's like, Oh, this is why it's better. But the framework is the same. And when it comes to nutrition, every level of their food intake, especially in my program, uh, the food in general, what, what the food has, you know, I analyze it so slightly, um, so that they have, or excuse me, so detailed like that they have enough carbs, uh, they have enough calories, proteins, and, and the nutrients. Um, you know, mainly to keep them keep them satisfied throughout each training because it's so demanding. Um, but in terms of uh, uh, you know food, my go-to is is you know Yukonuba. They have a ton of different levels. Um, you know, mainly just because it's so suit it's 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 tailored to exactly what you want your pup to do and progress and, and they um i reached out to them um a little backstory i reached out to them probably about a year ago and uh they wanted to do uh, i guess you'd say a cover or a video on uh you know the story that's on the website and then COVID hit so that all got put on hold but they're like hey <laughs> well we'll just kind of roll you into working together and and you know, we know you're putting together the Gundog Academy online, so you know we can just kind of use that pup as you know. Hey, this is each level of our new line, and uh, you know, kind of roll from there. But I mean, it, it's when it comes to nutrients and food, man. I mean, it's 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 crucial. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of little name companies that are great to support the little guy, but you can't beat that research, man. You can't, and that's really what it comes down to is how much detail i go into so what goes into your your gun dog academy training online um so that one 
brand brand new. I mean, it's been about two weeks, but um, that is literally from. I mean, episode one is is. Hey, I got him back from the breeder yesterday. Like <laughs> literally day one. I think I call it day zero to be honest with you. Um, but all it is is day zero to maxing out on testing and either, you know, you can either stop at testing, which is just the end state of the program. Um, or, you know, there'll be another point where it's just like, yep, you have a fully finished gun dog. Like you're in, a, I'll probably just me videotaping a hunt and being like, you know, okay, the, if you want to stop here and you don't want a, a, a ribbon dog, you're good. Congratulations. But it, it's literally, I'm telling you, man, it's step by freaking step. Um, I, I think Brian, I was talking to you. It was, yeah. um, yeah, I was telling you about how, you know, before I released the program, um, before I even, you know, even entertain the thought in my mind of releasing it, I'm like, I'm not going to put something out that people are just going to, you know, walk all over, which they do anyway, but it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not going to put something out that whether they like it or not, they're, they're going to buy it. So, I mean, it's, it's what I did was I, I made a big list and, um, I actually only had 50 names on and I was like, I want to get to a hundred, uh, you know, gun dog owners, not so much pro trainers. Cause they're always going to give you the wrong answer or a different answer. Um, and, and I wanted to make sure that it was kind of like your average Joe, you know, without labeling people. And, um, I just said, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm thinking about starting up an online program for this, this, this out of all the programs, you know, DVDs, books, stuff like that. What's something that's always missing. And, um, yeah, I think I told Briar, I was at like 115 people I interviewed and, uh, oh shoot, 90% easily. Uh, or like we need more detail you got all these programs and and, and uh, disclaimer i'm not trash talking any of the programs they're all good but um a lot what came up was the cornerstone program they said you know it, it's good but i had a lot of people were like this just isn't my style and, and it's not detailed enough then there's me just sitting back there with my pen like <laughs> detail got it a million videos let's do this and <laughs> Then came the now we're on like episode sixty and we're just starting force fetch. So uh what is force fetch? <laughs> Explain to me yeah. how that well, or the role that plays, I should you know, say. For for somebody that maybe is looking into getting a dog or something mm-hmm. and has no idea. Yep. You know, that's what yeah. force fetch is. And yeah, and yeah how- so literally that's that's how I break it down um, in in the in the academy. I mean, I, I yeah. make it like you know, Joe Schmo has no clue what a dog is, so let me help you. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, because you have to, but um, yeah. So force fetch, simply, it, and this is kind of like my definition of it, just shooting from the hip. Um, force fetch is just simply training your pup to go get an object pick it up correctly, hold it correctly, bring it back to you, preferably, you know, at, at your side or at the heel, whatever you uh, have it set to, uh, and only release it when you tell him or her uh, to do so and nothing else. That's, that is it in a nutshell. And why is that so important? So th- there's a little bit of tradition behind it. Um, 
it's just kind of like, you know, gun dog etiquette, I guess you could say. I know for testing purposes, even for the lowest level, like I know for AKC junior level, you have to do it. Um, they have to deliver to hand. So if you go into a test and, you know, your pup goes out on mark, which is just a bird getting tossed up and you release your pup on it, they see it. They come back. You can't touch the bird if you want to pass. You can't touch the bird until your pup is at your side, healed, with the bird in its mouth, and then you have to release on command. So you just so for me, all my pups will come back to the heel. Ninety percent of the time on the left, and I'll just say, you know, their name, give it, and then they'll just kind of Puh! so that you can always tell who really did well on force fetch when the dog is either dropping it and just kind of nibbling on it or just kind of mousing it or doesn't want to give it up. You can tell a lot by the dog, man, but that's why it's important. I mean, in the duck blind, it's not too crazy. I mean, you're just hunting ducks at that point, but I think a little bit of ego plays into that as well. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, we, that's, that's a large topic for whenever you want to bring that one up. (laughs) I mean, there's, there is nothing sexier in the, bird hunting world period than a really well-trained yeah. bird dog amen yeah that's it's truth uh it, and that transcends all boundaries across the bird hunting community it's not just mm-hmm. hunting. to watch oh, a, yeah. to watch a pointer go out and just lock up and no, hold that so yeah. perfect on quail or pheasants or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that's you just yeah it's a beautiful beautiful thing to see mm-hmm and it that all takes training, right? Sure. Got to start somewhere. Uh, so what is the most important aspect, in your opinion, of training a new puppy at home? Ooh, training a new puppy. I, I Oh, man. <laughs> that is, man, without a doubt. I mean, this kind of goes back to, uh, uh, you know, the patience part. It's exposure, man exposure is so critical in that short you know sandwich of a time frame you have to mold your puppy uh, in those first couple months after you bring it home from the breeder um, just get it out to meet everything and, and sniff everything and just kind of get a picture of what the world is and what your house is and, and what your truck's like you know what that's like you know because what will happen is, is a lot of people, and they don't realize this, when a puppy doesn't get that exposure in those, you know, usually the first six months, um, which sounds like a long time, but, man, it, it's not. You know, you, you, a lot of people get confused because they think, okay, I got plenty of time. You know, this we can expose that to this pup later. But they don't realize that once that door, you know, even just starts to close, maybe not even fully closed, yeah. but closed. Yeah, that's, gonna that's their issue. like most impressionable period. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely, you know, without a doubt. <clears throat> so, what, how important is body language when it comes to training? Body language. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you can go a couple different routes with that. Uh, we're talking with the trainer or with the pup. Well, I mean, let's you know, go. We, let's go both ways. Yeah. Both okay. Ways. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, either way you go, it's, it's, it's definitely a large factor. I mean, um, when it comes to training any kind of dog in general, um, I, 
that class that we were talking about before we, we started recording, um, I, I've been, I had some amazing courses in that. And one of them um, was understanding the, you know, it was, it was canine psychology and canine cognition. And uh, it, it went so in depth about just how to break down every single session um, from how, you know, it could be an amazing start. And then just like that, in, in a heartbeat, it can go completely downhill just by your body language. Uh, whether you're, you know, if you go into a session having a bad day, your pup's going to see that. Yeah. If, you know, yeah. if it's, you know, even if you're not even giving off cues to it, your pup's going to read it. Man, challenge me to that. I will show it to you because it, it they can just sense it. And you just know, oh man, this is going to be a rough one. But you got the same thing is you can kind of get away. And I say kind of just because, you know, of the dog factor, but, you know, the fact of the dogs, but the fact, um, you can kind of get away with fake motivation to a point. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, know, you got to be there. You, you just, you have to show up. You have to be confident because if you go into, like I'm doing four stretch right now, Fury, you know, he, at the first day he was nervous and you know, the whole new place and everything. If you, I would have walked in there like kind of like, oh, you know, kind of hesitant with him, kind of shaky. Um, he absolutely would just kind of lose trust and, and we would we'd be setting ourselves back a couple of days. So I think it's really important both ways. So it, it it essentially helps you set your place with the dog. Yeah. It kind, I mean, of, kind of lets the dog know who's who's boss. Uh, kind of. In a, I mean, early on when you're, you're trying to, quote unquote, break the dog or, or uh, I think a better phrase is earn its trust yeah. and kind of let the dog let you in. That's when you kind of want to have to, I guess, assert yourself to, to prove that. But after that and you, you start becoming a team, it's more so just, okay, man, like, you know, let's say, uh, you know, we're, we're team members. We go to the gym. I'm not really feeling the gym today. The other guy comes over, slaps me in the head, and just pours pre-workout down my throat. So it's like that's that's kind of how you have to be. Yeah, it, it, you always have to be the motivator. Yeah. So so speaking of that that team aspect with your dog, how how mm-hmm. important is it to build that that I'm not only am I the boss, but I am your team member, that bond with your dog. Yeah, that, well, I mean, that, that comes honestly just down to spending time with your pup early. You know, I, I, I was always taught, I can't, I mean, I'll tell you, I can never remember who told me it, but they said, man, a long time ago when I was running some dogs, I just having naps with them, but just laying with yeah. them. That those small little moments that you would think this isn't training, we're just laying here together, or you know we're just playing ball in the house, and he doesn't even know what a ball is. It's little moments like that when you build those relationships, and that's what it pays dividends when it comes to to working because you know that that pup when it's working for someone else, you know, say I'm I'm going and trying to go pick up a bird, while you know the pup was coming back and getting another one, and this happened. Um, a buddy of mine knew how to, uh, uh, run that pup. It was a client pup. And I told him, I was like, just, just send her. And, uh, she really didn't have a good 
retrieve. I mean, she got it. Don't get me wrong, but it was a tough retrieve, and she really didn't have her heart and soul in it. So, next group of birds comes in. We knock them in the same place, and I mean, just a different dog. I would send her. Boom. Like like nothing else. So I mean, the team aspect is is it's there. So how does that <clears throat> how does that transfer over to you know you've had this dog you've trained this dog how do you get the physical owner of the dog to to build that relationship when they take the dog back? <laughs> yeah, that's not a big question I get. So a lot of people were like, "Am I as dog going to forget me? Like you know, how can I know that the dog's going to trust me when it gets coming back? You know, it's been a long time." I say that's that's why I don't take pups until, you know, at the minimum five months. You got to get that bond. The bond gets built like we talked about with exposure. We have that small window. You know, the same thing applies for, for building that team, building the bond. So, I mean, when transferring it over, I mean, shoot, um, you know, a pup will be with me for over a year, depending on what level of testing that the owner wants, but obviously it's 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 a good chunk of that pup's life but i always tell folks i'm like the pup's gonna remember you i'm just a small piece you guys are gonna be with the pup the rest of their life and when i transfer the pup over usually folks will come on like a weekend um i think i've had a few folks come on like just for one day um and they'll either get a hotel or whatnot and I'll just say, you know, if you got one day, you got one day. If not, then we can do more. But I, I just do a handover process. I, I pretty much do the drill. Like, we'll do a couple drills. And I'll say, all right, you know, we're going to do a marking drill. I'll go up the line. I'll just have that person, you know, stand back and watch or sit in the truck or whatever. And I'll go do it. And then I'll bring him or her up to the line. And I'll kind of hover behind them. And this is when you get to see the pup just kind of be like, okay, what is – you always get the look backs. And uh, like, all right, man, what, what are you doing? And they'll work because, I mean, labs want to please. And um, so they'll go do the drill, and usually they'll come back and heal to me, and it's, the owner's just like, oh, no. And I'm like, no, just let's do it again. And um, the final rep is – just trading places. Now I'm sitting in the truck. They're standing way back and uh, they're running their dog. And it's always neat to see the reactions, but that's, that's how I like to do my handover process with it. So what made you decide to, to focus on labs? Uh, I've just always been around them. I mean, labs have just kind of been, I mean, obviously shoot, what was it like the other day? Like they're, it's like the 30th year in a row now that they're America's favorite dog or something like that from the AKC was like, but I mean, it, I don't know. I've just always been a lab guy, uh, nothing against other breeds. I mean, I just really love labs. All right. That's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I figured that out with my own lab. I don't know if I'll ever have another dog that ain't a lab. Yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. honest. So I, I got a kind of off the wall question. Mm-hmm. Can you teach an old dog new tricks? Yes. Yes, you can. Anyone who tells you you can't is a dang liar or is a bad trainer. <laughs> because, and granted, unless the dog is like 
12 years old and just doesn't want to move. Yeah. I'm not going to teach that dog because it will probably bite me, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. You can without doubt. Cause I, I have a dog. Uh, I don't know what kind of dog he is. He's a mutt. He's mm-hmm. a, he's a pound puppy. Okay. Uh, but that dog, I just did basic obedience when we first mm-hmm. got him. I just want a dog that listens. Yeah. And he listens really well. Better than your kids. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Easily better than my than my four year old, my one year old. Easily better. Um and he has a, a very high drive to please and he loves mm-hmm. fetch. I mean, yeah. he'd be a terrible duck dog because he's terrified of the water. But oh. yeah. <laughs> he might be a good dove dog. I, that's yeah. what I'll say. You know, like an, a, an upland bird game or, or uh, shed hunting. He loves being in the woods. Uh, he absolutely hates birds. Hates really? birds. Oh, yes. I mean, I'll sit, we'll be sitting in the house. He'll be passed out. And I'll tell him, I'll say, Jackson, are there birds in your yard? He gets up, runs the door. <sighs> He's just shaking. He's just shaking. Wants to go outside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would not get that. <laughs> <laughs> And he has managed to catch a robin once. See, bird dog. Yeah, bird definitely. Dog right yep. Uh, and I, I, you know, my wife actually got a D, one of those DNA test kits for Christmas from her mom. We still haven't yet to swab it and to send it in to see what kind <laughs> oh, of mutt he is. Yeah. <laughs> you might be surprised. Dude, so, yeah. If you, even if you have like one percent retriever, you can just be like, "Yep, he's a lab." Come yeah. Right yeah. Here. yeah. He's he yellow. Like it. Yeah, he's he yellow. Looks like it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just, you know, I was curious. I mean, he's ex- extremely intelligent. You know, you were in, you were in the army, so I, we can agree on this. And I know you won't disagree with me that ninety uh, percent of dogs are are smarter than uh, new soldiers. Oh yeah, <laughs> I tell everyone, I'm like half the dogs I train, they're just they're smarter than me. So <laughs> they listen better too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so. The the training is done for the most part. You know, now the owner's got the the dog back. You're going to take it hunting or you're taking it hunting. Uh, is it important to be able to cast or handle a dog on a blind retrieve? Or why is it important to be able to do that from the duck blind? Yep. Yeah. So, so what, let's, let's first break down what, a, what uh, a blind is. You've got two kind of blinds. You've got a, <clears throat> excuse me, you got a cold blind. And a pattern blind. A cold blind is simply you're just sending this pup. It's never been there before. You know, let's say, you know, imagine we're looking out on some water and there's a tree in the middle of this body of water. We can use that as a reference point. Say the duck landed there and you saw it, but the dog didn't. We're going to send that dog for the first time ever. That's a cold blind. When you send the dog, the dog on that, same route again it now becomes a pattern blind so obviously it's building a pattern um so anytime it's the first time a dog goes on blind it's cold blind um to to kind of get you know definitions down but um whenever you bring up blinds i mean the the biggest thing is it's it's hard to explain without going on like a a two-hour rant but it's um casting is important Casting and blinds just go hand in hand because nine times out of ten, and again, every dog and trainer is different, but majority of the time your pup is not going to get 
a really long blind, whether it's a cold or a pattern, um, in, unless you cast them. You know, because getting a, a pup to have such a straight line like that, they kind of get, I won't say comfortable, but they, they uh, uh, especially in like a test environment, they they understand, they learn, okay, this is a test. Uh, there's going to be a bird somewhere here. I could probably find it on my own. And dogs will want to do their own thing and, and you know, you kind of have to retrain them on that, but that just shows you how important it is to, you know, once you teach it, you have to keep up with it. They will lose it. Um, and it's super important to, to get back to the question. You know, if um, let's say you've got your pup going out on, on a blind or just a retreat, you know, it can go either way. You know, you give them a whistle, they turn around. All right. That's one of the first steps you teach. Um, have them turn around to face you and sit or tread water. And um, at that point, they don't go anywhere else until they get a cast from you. Uh, and everyone can go, everyone does different directions. I just do, you know, north, south, well, north, come uh, east, west with my hands. And it's super important because, you know, maybe you don't want that duck or maybe you got, uh, uh, maybe he's going after a beaver or something. I don't know. You know, it's, it's kind of just... <laughs> You got to guide your pup. You're the eyes for your pup. You know, those, those two or three feet above that pup's eye level makes a huge difference, especially in a swamp. So ho- hopefully that kind of answers the question. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah. How, how much does a dog's like uh, sense of smell play into a blind retrieve? Uh, <laughs> that can kind of, that can kind of nick you because if we're talking a hunt environment, you know, we're out in the blind or whatever hunting, then, you know, go for it because nine times out of 10, if you're in a thick swamp or you're, you're, you're really in there, um, you know, where the clearest spot is up above that pup's gotta, gotta use the nose. Unless that, that uh, duck is, is splashing and you can see it. Dog's gotta use its nose. So, I mean, it, it's definitely imperative that that dog has a good, uh, a good trace, a good sense of smell. Now, do we train with scent? Nah, you don't have to. I'll, I'll throw the the little deodorant stick on some some bumpers here and there, but it's not one of those things that you're gonna be like, all right, today we're doing scent work. No, it's yeah. not like that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's not, that that kind of goes with introducing the dog to a bird. They they, yeah. they get that. They're they're kind of I always call them drug drug addicts because. They'll like get it once, and it's like, okay, I'm not doing anything until I get that. And yeah. um, but with a testing environment, it's a whole different story. You know, I, I had a, a, I was in a senior test one time. We we're doing a land uh, series. You do land and water, and I was running the dog on land, and we failed out uh, of that land series because the pup. It's called establishing a hunt. And so say, you know, we're on land and we're in this field. Here's that big tree again for, straight in front of us. And the bird is planted to the left of the tree, um, maybe in like a ditch or something. Well, I'll send that dog on that blind straight line to that tree. No cast or whatever. And that dog will pick up the scent. You'll use the wind to your advantage. You'll get the pup, you know, downwind from it so it picks it up. Once that pup gets the scent, you know, you don't really have to work it as much because, you know, usually they just go right to it. Usually. 
But what happened was, uh, and like I said, it's called establishing a hunt in, in test terms. The pup just pretty much did like a zigzag back and forth all the way up until it found it. So it completed the blind and, and it got its bird and came back. But because it didn't go right to it and, and, you know, just immediately grab it, it wanted to just hunt and use its nose. You know, it has to show, okay, this is an obedient dog. It's not going to pick up a hunt. It has to go right to where you tell it, cast to where you tell it, get the bird, come back. And instead, it, it they pretty much blow you off is what you call it. But, um, yeah, they established a hunt. So that you can see it's kind of yin and yang with that. So how important is it for a, a dog or a trained dog to be still and quiet in the, in the blind? Uh, it it kind of depends. I mean, quiet is probably the bigger one. You get a lot of whiny dogs. <laughs> I've got one right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm I'm talking quiet because if if she wakes up it's gonna be like nonstop. <laughs> and, uh, it's just like come on, man. Um, but it, I think the noise, you know, the, the audible level is a lot more important than uh, you know the actual like. Well, it's hard to say. It's hard to put one above the other because you, you see a lot of pups break, and, and I always love to tell people I'm like. Go back on to, like, uh, like the outdoor channel. Go on there and watch, you know, whenever they have, like, a, you know, just a, a waterfowl hunt. It's usually in a field. Uh, you know, they'll drop a ton of birds. And naturally, you know, they're usually doing, like, a drone shot. And all you see is just this black dog or this black dot just kind of running towards the down bird. And if you listen to the audio... If it doesn't have music playing, I learned this from all my buddies who, who film for them. If you listen to the audio, that's taken obviously right, right in the pit usually. Yeah. And um, he said nine times out of ten, because I asked him, I'm like, we ever like next to the dog or, or the handler? He's like, yeah, a bunch of times. I was like, on those, like some of those hunts, did that dog get released? They were like, no. Watch that. <laughs> watch that stuff again, and, and just look. The birds, are, we're still shooting, and the dog breaks. So that's what I'm saying. You know, a dog breaking, which is pretty much just it going without you telling it, that's steadiness 101. You know, to have a dog in all that commotion still keep its cool and, and, and be like, okay, you know what, I, I got it, – it's just marking targets. And for it to keep its cool and stay there, I mean, that's huge. Huge on the trainer, huge on the dog. Um so I think they're both important because we all know movement movement typically gives us away more than anything else uh, with, with ducks and, and geese. Um, you know, you can kind of get away with some whining, but yeah, it's hard to prioritize them. So I know I got one that I can't keep quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, if she is quiet, that means she's asleep. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about breaking. And, you know, is, mm-hmm. that, is that important for not only training – but you know, in a hunting situation for the dog's safety, and yeah, let's talk about yeah. that for a second. I know here in sure. Florida, you know, it's important because I don't want to send my dog in the water if I can see an alligator. Right, man. <laughs> I have nightmares about that stuff. But oh man, me too. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it, it's important. I mean, uh, up here we we are kind of like in the in the 
you know, Canadian goose fly away right here. I got snows. I mean, I can hear them right now. Um, and, and it's all cornfields, all cut cornfields. And I always tell folks, I'm like, you know, you get a, a, a yellow lab, whether it's got best or not, you get a yellow lab and some trigger happy dudes. And, and we're all trigger happy. We all know that, that rush we get like yeah. a kid. When um, you kind of lose your sense of direction and, and you, you know, your skills will, will diminish a little bit just cause you're having fun. But, you know, let's put that situation together. Like I was saying before, let's say that dog breaks and it's a yellow lab or what, even if it's a black lab, whatever that dog breaks and goes out. And, and if it's a not well-trained dog, it'll get so excited. that will go out there and pick up one and then be like, Ooh, I like that one drops. It picks up that one and you know, so on and so forth. And meanwhile, y'all are still shooting. Especially with snow geese, you know, you got extended tubes, you know, we're also shooting. Um, and that dog could just obviously be going around and around and, you know, we shoot cripples all the time. So it can happen, man. It, you know, safety, there's a lot of what ifs. I mean, that's just a what if situation, but, you know, safety's always got to be number one in your mind. And, and as, as, as a trainer and, and when I'm out in the hunt handling dogs, you know, the birds are, are secondary dog is number one you know i'm 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 watching my dog and i kind of just have my gun up in the air because i'm just like okay I, when i can take a shot i'll take a shot but you know my whistle's in my mouth let's put it that way yeah so in your opinion how important is it for a dog to be able to handle a cripple on its own <laughs> very very important um it's always funny it's, it's always funny seeing uh you know a pupped out come right out of training for me or whatnot and or videos i'll get and uh it goes one of two ways and, and it kind of all depends on what bird you send it on too um you'll get pups who just are are duck crazy and they just want to go balls to the wall non-stop um you know just hard charge and that duck dies pretty much from the momentum <laughs> coming at it uh, through the air, you know, pretty much you get dogs like that. You'll get other dogs who will just kind of do your textbook, you know, go right for it, high drive. And then the duck will just kind of come back to life as we all know. And, um, it will do one of two things. It will either dive and, uh, that's a whole different can of worms, or it will just go into <laughs> goose mode and just start attacking the dog is pecking away. <laughs> And I mean, you know, you see it on all these dogs. They all got like little like lines on their, their nose. And that's nine times out of 10, you can be like, that's a duck dog because, um, you know, what's got marked with, but, uh, you got, like I said, you got two types of dogs, the ones who keep going and the ones who just get I demolished, but that, that's just it. That the wind is out of their sails and a lot of dogs don't hunt after that. Once they've had a, a bad run in with a cripple is what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, when they get yeah. you know pecked. I mean, that's understandable. I, that's one of the reasons I hate geese. They're so mean. <laughs> oh, that's why I said I'm like. I'm, that's why I said I'm like. Depends on what bird. I'm not going to send it on a, a goose. If I do, it's going to be like, I'm I'm dropping you know my my entire tube into that thing. And, uh, <laughs> I if it's a first retrieve, you know. I actually yeah. got to see a a dog. Was it in December? I went to Texas to hunt cranes. I got yeah. to see a, a dog take down a crippled crane. 
I mean, man, they're, he just, they're scary. <laughs> he just trucked that thing, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Hit it like a middle <laughs> linebacker. The guy's like, the Oof. guy's like, he hates those things. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a burning passion. He's like, yeah. down there. I thought that was like Texas and Florida were like the crane places. Oh, yeah, we well, don't yeah, you we dare. Hunt them here in uh-uh. Florida. Don't you dare talk about hunting cranes in Florida. There's a lot of people, really? a lot of cat ladies get upset about that. Yeah. What? Yeah. In Florida, yes. So, uh, currently, as the as a the reason they state not having a crane hunt here is that they say we have a um, subspecies of sandhill crane called the Florida sandhill crane, um, which never leaves the state. Well, <clears throat> if we want to go by that, because they are technically genetically no different than regular sandhill cranes, we also have a subspecies of mallard. Um, that never leaves Disney or the golf courses. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that that's our uh, that's our reason for not having a crane hunt here. Uh, I think they, it's they more so to keep the crazy cat ladies happy. I think so. That's man, man, yeah, part of that too. Uh, I gotta ask: Are they really that good? Like eating? You know, I haven't eaten them yet because. Yeah. <laughs> I just I only got to bring so much back because we it was like. I think there was like six or seven of us guys and uh-huh. we divvied up everything between all the yeah. like everybody got everything even so gotcha i'm trying to find like the perfect time to eat mm-hmm. it because i don't want to waste it <laughs> <laughs> so we actually just were out here today earlier today we we're uh boiling down some of the crane heads he had to make them into european mounts oh nice and that they look do- they look oh. wicked oh, that, oh man that's like a uh that and divers are like a handler's worst nightmare. Unless you yeah. that, that's about it. Because I mean, they got they got those. I, that's on my list to shoot. So I mean, I'm assuming they got those you know, mean mean beaks, right? Oh yeah, they're oh, yeah. they're massive. Absolutely. <laughs> we, you know, we were uh, cleaning about today, and I told Jordan, I said, "Man, so this joker's sharp. Yeah, like there's yeah. a good solid <laughs> yeah. point to that beak." Yeah, it's no joke. It is solid bone. Like you know, we did some duck heads and some keys heads along with it, but the like the thickness of the bone through the crane head, mm-hmm. you can tell that that beak and the way their head is designed is in, is designed to inflict damage. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's definitely rough. a weapon for sure because that's, it's just that that bone that runs down from the, the front of the skull down to the beak is so much more solid than it is on a duck or a goose. That's nuts, man. Uh, that's why you, got, you cannot send a, a rookie dog on a crane. You gotta have a, <laughs> you're going to send that dog. It better be, like, bloodthirsty. Oh, yeah. It's a guy was saying, he's like, he... Anytime he's like, he just literally has like a burning hatred inside of him. (laughs) He will just destroy them. He can't stand them. Dude, those are the best ones when they just, you can just tell like, you're going to not, you're not going to make it. Like just no matter what drops, even if it starts flying, it's just not going to make it. They're the best ones. So, so what do you like guys got his puppy, uh, you know, trained up hunting seasons here dogs first hunt what do you recommend for that do you like you know the dog and the handler you know a a buddy that's a good shot and you don't bring a shotgun what do you recommend for that pup's first hunt yeah that's a good question 
I, I've seen a lot of folks do it a different, you know, different ways, but, um, mo- I mean, I'll go both ways here for me, you know, I'll always try to get that dog. If it's a client dog, um, I'll always try to get it on a hunt. Um, and you know, kind of get that first bird, uh, nervousness out of the way while it's still here training before I send it back. Yeah. Because it can obviously be either positive or negative. Um, but if it's just, you know, in general, I, I would definitely bring a gun. I mean, <laughs> that's just me. I always got to bring something because my luck, you know, something rare would fly in and, and I'd be like, Oh, okay. Let me use my hands. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, you know, I always bring a gun um, because we train with a gun. You know, yeah. I, I train how we, you know, how we actually play. And um, that's the biggest thing. So, I mean, it, I would bring a gun without a doubt, but like I said, your number one focus now is the dog. And if you can get it on, if you can get on a relatively simple retreat for the first one, that is probably your best bet, you know. And, and obviously, we you know we can't pick and choose where the birds come in or whatnot for the most part. But if you can get that dog, you know, like a good splash mark, you know, where it just lands in the water and, and giant wave comes up, perfect. That's you're setting your pup up for success. So that'd be my recommendation if you can. So, right. I feel like I've I heard somebody say this one time, and I feel like it kind of classifies two different kinds of like bird dog owners. Here, so I heard a lady say, and I was just kind of like eavesdropping, mm-hmm. but she said that no good bird dog can be a house dog too. <laughs> I'd have to say I completely disagree with that, I but I just. <laughs> I mean, a, a, a lot of that comes from, and I, I, I've heard the same thing. I'm sure a lot of people have heard the same thing. It, it, it's, it just goes like with that whole, you know, my generation was tougher. You know, we, we trained dogs with guns and we shot them. And if they didn't do it, <laughs> them again, you know, it's just like, like, all right, man. But no, I, I think where a lot of that comes from is, is, you know, I'll use the phrase back in the day, um, that was how it was, you know, gun dogs were a little bit of history. Gun dogs. That's how it was split like church and state. You know, you had a kennel and that dog did not leave the kennel until it was time to work. And that's, you know, how some drives really got built, but then it also hurt a lot of dogs. Um, and then, you know, obviously got your house dog. He's just in and out of the house, you know, running around, whatever. Uh, you usually don't take it hunt especially if you're running gun dogs. So it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of just, you know, hot and cold. They didn't really have that gray area. And now as, you know, technology advances, training schemes advance, and, you know, we just become better as trainers. We can now make them dual purpose. And, and you'll still have folks who, who, you know, stick by those old ways, but they're, they're dying out because it just doesn't make sense anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why, why do that? You know, you, you've got pups. I forget who the heck it was. Someone was like, yeah, this one guy, I don't think, I think he got shut down because of this, but like he, he had like a loudspeaker or like a stereo system, like in the kennel and it wasn't a big kennel. And like, all he did was like have, uh, I guess like a, a I don't know what you want to call it, like a, 
simulate hunt just non-stop playing like over and over like Jeez. it didn't stop dang that sounds horrible <laughs> oh, yeah. no PTSD. We, yeah. <laughs> we commonly refer to that okay. as propaganda music <laughs> there you go yeah, and, and I, I think I, I can't remember the whole story the dog like when they brought one out it just like went ape shit and just i i, I don't even know i forget what the story i don't want to tell the story because i can't remember it correctly but it all i know is like they brought it out and the guy was like talking it up and he's like this is my finest gun dog <laughs> and i think he like i want to say he took it off leash and the dog just never came back <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't blame the dog booked it. <laughs> I'm out. I mean, uh, yeah i mean i don't blame it for the dog but yeah man that's not the way it's not the way to do it no <laughs> no not not in the least bit no I mean, there are some off-the-wall training methods out there, but th- that one, I think, doing something like that would by far take the cake. Oh, my God. All day long. They made the cake, and they're giving it out, man. Like, yeah. So, we talked about the importance of body language during training. How, how does body language play a role um, in the duck blind? Or, or does it at all? I mean, I know you've got a lot of stuff going on yeah. there, and you can't always maintain yeah. composure, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll, let me think of a, a good experience from that. Um, you know, obviously we've got different definitions of blinds, and, and even in the boat, you know, we can go even that route. Um, <clears throat> let's just say we got like a shore blind. Um, you know, I go up to Erie PA shooting divers every every year. And uh, that's all their blinds are. You know, you're either in a layout boat or you're on a shore blind. And they're, they're just kind of like, you know, your, your A-frames or whatever. And, um, you, you know, you just send your dog into the, <laughs> pretty much into the, into the waves coming in. Um, but I, I think body language from, you know, our standpoint as, as handlers, um, it's still important because you're going to have those crazy dogs who – like I said, they want to break everything in their head is like, get that duck. But, you know, it's you that, you know, maybe will hold back that door that says break, you know, you, you're the person who's going to be like, Hey, you know, hold, hold, or, or, you know, stay. And that's why I say, you know, your priority is the dog and the hunt, because say you just want to start blasting, uh, that dog, it might just be enough to send that dog by itself. So, you have to be able to read your dog, know the dog before you go into that. Um, and sin applies to a bloat, or excuse me, a boat or a land blind. You know, it, when the, the pup's in the land blind, if it's like sitting between your legs, a little bit easier. Um, but then again, someone will like just shoot out the ramp. Um, but the, and the boat, you kind of have a little bit better control because, you know, if it, when a dog jumps out of a boat, it, it knows it's like, this is a pain in the butt getting back in. Duck, um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's just as important. Um, it, it's just different levels of control. You know, if you have the pups close to you, if it's not, you know, you lose or gain control. Uh, but then you'll have those people who are like, you should always have control of your dog. Well, okay, see ya. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, still a dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just as excited to be there as you are, if not more excited oh, yeah. than oh, you are to be there. Oh, man, more. You, you, I mean, how many times do you hear, like, 
dogs will not like if you have an older dog like they won't let that owner leave like they'll just sit in front of the door or like be in the truck already it's like nope man you gotta hang back you're too old that's and that's that's easily the saddest part of having a having a a gun dog is that you know even when it becomes it reaches a point where it's not uh it's it's unsafe for that dog in order to prolong their life and keep them around longer as that loving mm-hmm. companion. You know, you have to leave that dog behind. But that dog yeah. still has the drive to get out there and hunt. Yeah, it's um it, and and you guys see it on the head. I mean it's a shame, you know, you really I mean shoot you you hold them like family and, and uh, anyone who says they don't tie emotions into their pup, I mean it, they're just flat out liars because it is a journey, and um, I knew. Well, shoot, it was my uh, my ex father in law. He was he runs gun dogs, not runs them, but he's got two gun dogs, really great dogs. And um, unfortunately, I mean, amazing guy, but unfortunately, he didn't know. He, he doesn't know when to stop, and it, it was tough watching those pups. You know, the the one that's still alive, she's kicking at like fourteen, but it's just like you got to know when to stop. I mean, she's barely like <laughs> making it to the blind to hunt. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's just, I think it's just hard to see both sides of it because the dog wants to keep working. You know, those eyes are still the same eyes that were, you know, a young puppy looking at the sky. They're the same ones. And, and you know, you've got the owner who's just not ready to call it quits because they always think that you can get one more hunted. And, you can relate, but it's tough, man. It's really hard to watch. You gotta, you gotta just kind of make the call. Well, it's hard to admit to yourself that mm-hmm. at that point you're you're basically standing there and and looking in the mirror and saying, "The end is near." Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's hard when you when you invested that much time and love and effort and sh- have so many memories that involve that dog. Yep. To just say. I would. I mean, I'd rather leave my shotgun at home. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah you know? Without a doubt. I mean, you. Um, we we talked about earlier with with you know going out for first retrieves. That's probably one of my favorite things. Is is all you know when it's obviously the season time. Um, <laughs> I'll always take the pup out on its first retrieve. Uh, just like I said, to get the kinks out, or, or you know, just make sure it's good to go before it goes home. And, um, man, I'll tell you what, there's, there's something that will always stay, you know, really, really close to my heart about just seeing that because man, there's nothing like I'm getting like chills right now. There's nothing like just going out there and it's just you and that pup. Like there's, there's no sounds or nothing else. And the pup is just like, oh, what are we, I kind of know what we're doing here, but what are we doing here? And then when it comes back, it just gives you that look like, well, you know, it all makes sense. I, I understand now. And, you know, you, you think you think I'm, it's a little bit crazy, but, man, they give you that look and you can just tell, like, they understand. And, man, there's nothing that, that – you could be the toughest guy in the world, man. That just hits you, you know, right where it hurts. So how long how long have you been waterfowl hunting? Oh man, uh, when the heck was that? 
definitely before high school. Um, I got into it a little bit late just because my, you know, I guess like coming up, we weren't really in like hunting. It was it was more whitetail town, um, so waterfowl wasn't really big. But like anyone else, the second I got into it, I was just hooked. Um, I, I'd have to say probably I don't know early two thousands. Okay, so you you probably got plenty of stories, right? Uh, no. <laughs> None of them to tell right now. <laughs> what do you mind telling us a little bit about uh, banjo? Oh yeah, uh, banjo. Yeah. Um, so let me think here. Um, so this, I guess I'll just kind of give my side of the story with it. Um, so. Again, I, I don't know if y'all had a chance to read it off the site, but I mean that—that's just kind of—that's just kind of like the generalized version. Um, I, I, I guess I'm trying to think how to, how to word this with, with banjo and I. So he came to me. Well, let's put it this way: I came I came home from uh, Iraq, and uh, like you know, I'm, I'm sure some of us can relate. You know, we all bring something home. And, um, I was like, I was in such denial for the longest time. And, um, I was just like, man, I'm good. I'm good. I made it through. I have nothing wrong. And man, it sucks. And, uh, I think it was about seven or eight months into it. And I was just like, yep, there's something going on. And at the time, my, my wife at the time, uh, proudly ex-wife right now, uh, she, <laughs> She um she was like well, you know I think it's time to get you know your first hunting dog because I I had never had my own hunting dog um, leading up to that believe it or not uh, so I was like ah, I don't think I'm ready well she uh, she worked with a lot of guide dogs like uh, what the heck were they called guide eyes for the blind she trained them for a little bit. so she she kind of knew a little bit more about you know what they have on on people and how they can help you know, health-wise. And uh, she's like, no, I insist. And I was like, all right, I won't argue with that one. So went to a really good, uh, we have a good gun dog breeder, um, actually not more than a half hour away from me. Uh, you know, did the whole visits and everything and, and you know, got to pick our pup. And uh, so got Banjo probably around March, beginning of March, I think, yeah, March 6th is his birthday. Um, so got him and, you know, we just naturally hit it off. I mean, cause at the time I was still working sales and I was working from home all the time. Um, and, and we, you know, we, we, he was kind of the filler of the gap and, um, he, he really helped me with a lot of, you know, what was going on upstairs and, and, I call them my demons all the time. Um, and, and I don't think people really realize how, you know, that can be great companions. Absolutely. And that's without a doubt for any dog, but they can really turn your life around and um, bring you back from a lot. And that was what Banjo did. You know, here's this eight, nine week old puppy and uh, already, you know, changing my world up um, but i mean you know he, he he was 
you know, something else. But um, I, I think when, I guess when you dive more into the story and um, how it went was, you know, we, we were up in, uh, was it, it was the office. So it was my second floor of the house here. Um, we were upstairs and I was just kind of typing away and it was right before, you know, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to go, you know, to the VA and, and kind of, you know, seek, seek some help. Cause you know, something's going on. Um, so, you know, uh, Banjo was just snoozing, you know, like a puppy. He was just crashed, um, right on the carpet behind me. And, uh, I was just typing away on the computer and I, I was in a dark spot, man. It was probably the, the lowest point um, I was in to date, and and I hope I never top that. And um, it, it's just a weird, it's a, it's a surreal feeling when it comes over you because it's just kind of you kind of feel powerless. And uh, so I was, I was just, you know, I, I was, you know, hell bent on on, you know, ending my life at that point, and. Uh, it, it, it sucked because I, the only thing that was really popping into my head um, that was like, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that, man, was, you know, this little ball of fur that was kind of just chilling behind me on the ground snoozing. And um, it sucked because I, 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 the one part that sticks in my head to this date was just kind of walking out and he was just, I was going to as silent as I could so I didn't wake him because um, I knew if I woke him it would you know stop me um, and I was going as quiet as I could I remember shutting the door and just like watching the crack get smaller and smaller and smaller and all I saw was just him you know until it was just a brown blob and you know that was it in the doorway and you know went well, went all the way down to the basement and, and I've got a little room in there it's a concrete room and I call my war room to keep all my, you know, hunting stuff in there and whatnot. Um, it's the only unfinished house, or only unfinished room in the house. And went down there and, and uh, you know, I, I, that was it, man. I remember I was up against that wall, and I, I always tell, you know, folks really close when I say, you know, I always remember that it was freezing cold down there, you know. And this is March. I remember cold feeling the concrete on my back, and and. Uh, you know, at one point, I you know I had guns in my head, and I remember the cold feeling of of the rim of the barrel, and um, it was an old old forty five, and I didn't even shoot it yet. I, I was a nineteen eleven, beautiful gun, and um, I remember just that that sensation of cold. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, one of the things I want to expand on somehow is just kind of use that phrase, like remember the cold, because that's what keeps me motivated anymore but um with that i i was all in slow motion you know i was balling my eyes out down there and everything kind of just froze and, and closed my eyes and i it's weird how you remember the small things the, the really minute things that don't really you wouldn't think of normally and um i remember just kind of easing the tension out of the trigger and, and feeling the, the, the grooves on it. And it, I'm telling you, man, it's like slow motion. And, um, I remember at one point, you know, I had my eyes closed still. I, I, I was just, <laughs> I was drenched. 
that's the word I use in the story of when I wrote it. Um, I was just covered and I'm like, well, hell that wasn't as bad as I thought. And, um, I, you know, I thought I was good. I'm like, all right, I'm done. All right. Where's the, you know, where's the endless Buffalo wing bar that I was aiming for. And, um, uh, I, I still was like, uh, right. Something's not right here. Well, I opened my eyes and I'm still in the same spot. Still got the gun up in my head and there's banjo and he's licking my face and, um, just covering, I swear. He's never made more slobber than that ever. And uh, he's just drenching me. And I remember, uh, I've never seen, you know, it's it, it's one thing to hear, but I've never seen a dog cry. You know what I mean? You really don't see that very often. And he was just, he was just, he was whimpering like crazy. And uh, I, I tell a lot of folks, a lot of dog owners too, that get surprised. I said, here's this pup who has, it's only been here for like a week, barely knows who I am. Um, it, it's never been down to the basement. It has no clue of the layout of the house. Um, and somehow, and I didn't make a sound, I swear to this day, I never made a sound. Um, somehow it managed to come from the second floor all the way down to the basement and somehow find me in that room which is like tucked away in the basement and just kind of right at that moment, you know what I mean? And, and the remarkable thing was that he's never done stairs before. And, and I really highlight that in the story because I don't think people realize how huge that is for puppies to do one stair, let alone two flights of it. Um, and, and that always sticks with me. And um, I remember he kept crying. He kind of just, laid and put his chin on my uh, uh my one leg and he just kept whining until i you know cleared the gun and, and put it back in the case and it was just like i swear i'll never forget that face he just kind of like snapped at him but he kind of gave me that look at one point um where you know it was just that moment where i was just kind of sitting there and i'm like well i can either do it right now and he's gotta watch me or you know, we, we can kind of change this up and, and start over. And I swear, I mean, it was like just the look in his eyes. It, it, it's hard to even tell someone because it doesn't even sound real, but it was just like, he was telling me like, man, you got to stop. This is, you got a lot to do here. You know, you're not that old. You got a lot to finish. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did. And, and, and <laughs> the second that, I put that gun down and he kind of like snapped out of it. Uh, he went and like grabbed the bumper, uh, the retrieving tool, um, out of this room that I was in. And I never, ever, even to this day, never keep a bumper like train supplies down there just because it's not the cleanest. And he pulled it out of there and I was like, what? And just dropped down my lap. And I tell folks, I'm like, you know, we've heard the story. I say, that's, that's when the company was, was really founded right there, you know, because that was what gave me that push to, you know, go professional, so to speak, and, and, and really pursue this, not only, you know, just for changing career, but, you know, for what happened, you know, for what he did. And, um, you know, uh, uh, 
that that I mean that kind of I guess you'd say that kind of end. That's kind of like the end of the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so tell us about. Uh, I assume banjo is was a hunting dog. He's one of your hunting dogs. Uh that's that's another <laughs> good part of the story. Is he just spoiled? No, oh no. Uh, so, what happened was. Um, he, he was, he was awesome. He, he was still in training. We were at like really advanced levels, um, training and it was, it was like, shoot, August, late August. And, um, I was so pumped. I was like, it's hunting season. I'm about to get hunting with banjo. Like first time ever, you know what I mean? And, uh, this was, um, uh, midway. Yeah midway through my divorce and i remember uh you know at the time you know we, we, the missus and i were just kind of separate ways but she was like hey you know i want to grab my stuff in the house and i was like yeah go ahead just you know whatever you need i'm in the basement with the pup so door opened and and you know i didn't think anything of it and banjo just being a dog naturally ran up the stairs and and kind of sat at that door uh from the basement to the living room and um that you know all i heard was like that door open and then that door closed and then the front door open and closed and that was the last i saw um it, it it was it was rough because he was at you know we we talked about those first retrieves going from 99 to 100. I think the worst feeling that I've got is the fact that he never got to 100 and he was at 99. And it's just, it's rough, you know, knowing that because that's like, that's like us, you know, say we go through training for, you know, however many years and then you get deprived of the real thing. It's like, you just don't know. So that's, you know, that uh, I have no clue where he's at or, how he is right now but i mean uh, you know that's that's still kind of like an ongoing thing right now so where does uh where does fury come into this whole story yeah so it, it's neat I, I he kind of came in accidentally <laughs> but um he tied in real well believe it or not i feel like he he's like man i won't be a part of this one um so it took me a little bit after all that um, to be like, you know, I'm ready for another dog. Understandably. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, there's some folks who were like, I'm right now, but then there's some folks who wait. Um, took a little bit of time and, and kind of just got back on track of myself. And um, I reached out to um, a, a Facebook or a Instagram group. It was a, they were huge, uh, Field Dog Life. And because uh, she had interviewed me couple months prior and um i asked her i'm like you know on messenger i said hey you know can you give me a list of like the top notch breeders uh for gun dogs she gave me a bunch and and um she gave me one uh, well pretty much i called a bunch of them and they all said you know hey you know, what, what do you want what's your price range and i said listen i want a big dog um either black or chocolate i want to be a male and just give me like the best you got. And <clears throat> so 
they all were like, all right, you know, if we, there was a bunch, I think there was about four of them. They, they all were just like, you know, if you get a call from one of us, then we've got it. And uh, a couple months went by and a, uh, a woman from uh, Mississippi, she called me and um, she said, hey, you know, we, we've got we've got a, a litter here of five and four are females and one is a male and uh, he's a black male. Do you want them? And uh, I was just like, well, come on, man. That's that's kind of like fate right there. Um, didn't really, you know, I, I knew he had a really beautiful background, um, but I, I was just like, yeah, yeah. Put my name down. I'll save the money right now. Like, do it. So that kind of came to be. And, um, I, I, you know, shoot, he, he was just kind of like the, the answer of the prayers because I, I think I got a lot of, uh, what's the word? I, I kind of found a lot of refuge when I gave him his full name. Um, the, you know, obviously Fury was, was just kind of what I was feeling and, and, you know, probably what Bando was feeling, but I tied it all in by naming him, uh, you know, the, the Fury of Banjo's Vengeance. And because um, that was that was how I was left, you know, I, I was like, we we were both probably pissed or he was probably pissed. I know I was pissed. And, you know, we won vengeance on that. You know, it, it sounds crazy, but it's like you just don't take that from a person. And um, so the name fit perfectly. Um, and he eventually <laughs> and is currently still growing into that name. Um but man, I'll tell you what. He, right now, he is just knock on wood, man. He he makes me look good. I mean, he is. It's like he's done the stuff before I teach him. But um, that's that's how he fit in. So, how far along is Fury in his training? So he's a uh, he's who we feature in the the gun dog cami. So he's right now on. We just did force fetch uh, before y'all called. Um, he's on force fetch session three. So we just. He just now is holding a, a, a bumper in his mouth without me, you know, assisting him. So um, he's cruising. And like I said, man, he's just he's cruising so fast. It's awesome. So he still hasn't got his first retrieve yet. No, no, he's he's a long way. I, I won't hunt him until he gets his senior title without a doubt. He, he's going to – he'll be a big-time, you know, competition dog and – but more importantly, a hunting dog. So how did you get, before we wrap this up, how did you get introduced to duck hunting? Um, oh, man. I mean, that was, uh, like I said, it was a little bit ago, early 2000s. I think, man, it was a buddy of mine. Um, like I said, my folks were, were barely in the picture, and um, they really weren't big into hunting at all. They're all freaking liberals and yeah, it's yeah. I'm complete, I swear I'm adopted, man. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you. Um, and they just weren't big on hunting at all, and it really wasn't brought up. And he was a neighborhood friend, and I just kind of popped over one day, and it was pretty much like, "You want to go hunt with me? I'm going to shoot some ducks." And there I am in sweatpants and like, <laughs> a, a, like a weird little camo shirt, you know, like jacket, and. Uh, Man, the addiction happened right then and there, and I was hooked. That's all it takes. It yeah, is. That's all. One, that's one hunt. Yeah. That's it. 
doesn't even have to really be a successful hunt. No. Nope. Just be there and be like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, yeah. I grew up uh, mainly hunting white-tailed deer, and I really didn't start getting into waterfowl hunting till about uh, probably three years ago. So I was 27. Dang. Yeah. Okay. 27, 28 when I started getting into waterfowl hunting. Uh, and I've, uh, I've been bit. I was going to say, I'm like, how do you view it now? Like what, what, what's the percentages look like versus each other? Uh, well, it was nice when I, uh, when I was stationed at, at Fort Stewart, because it just mm -hmm. so happens that our rut fell in between, uh, the first and second phase. Okay. So, so there was plenty of time to deer hunt when I couldn't duck hunt. And, um, but I don't duck, I, I don't really deer hunt a lot in the state of Florida. So, but I do duck hunt a lot down here. Okay. So it's easier for me to get out on a, just to go for a Saturday morning, go for a, mm -hmm. go for a duck hunt. So we might okay. get together Friday night. You're going to go duck hunt in the morning? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> so I'll grab my son and throw him in the boat with us and we'll all go out there and duck hunt Saturday morning, come back, spend the rest of the day with the wife and kids and, yeah, but, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And then we also have a pretty dang good wood dug hole on our deer hunting lease. So that, yeah, you know, that we get off. up there. We're <laughs> going to go We're gonna go deer hunt this weekend. Saturday morning, no deer. Saturday afternoon, no deer. Sunday morning, you want to go shoot some ducks? <laughs> yep, 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 that's it. That's it. That's all you need. So it's uh, it's a pretty even mix throughout, okay. the, throughout the season. But... Uh, well, that I really okay. still enjoy hunting whitetail deer just because of the the amount of meat you get off a whitetail deer, the payload, the sheer yeah. payload you get off a whitetail deer. So at the end of every episode, we like to do a segment we call the Under Pressure Outdoors Tip of the Week. Have you put any thought into that? Do you have a tip of the week for us? Ooh, I, shoot, I actually forgot about that. <laughs> you weren't the only bad. one. Don't I, I think bad. I'm the only one that remembers. I'll go ahead and go first. I'll give you a second. I, I'm going to say that, uh, you know, we talked a lot about safety, right? It, the, uh, safety of the dogs, safety of your hunters and, and whatever else. But second to when safety accidents happen, right? First mm -hmm. aid. You should have first aid for yourself and if you're – carrying a, a gun dog on the way should have something for them as well. Yeah. Right. Because like I said, accidents happen. Um, and there's no reason you shouldn't be prepared to try and handle s some of the stuff. Obviously you can't handle everything, uh, mm -hmm. but you can try. So carrying that first aid kit. Do, do you know of anybody that sells a first aid kit specifically for dogs? Yep. Yeah. Gun dog supply, uh, com. They have like three different levels of it. Just search first aid kit. They got them. So they're really you go. good. There you go. I think I'm going to circle back to what you said earlier. Is uh, You can still teach an old dog new tricks. So <laughs> don't think that the dog that you have is too old to start training now. That's right. Unless it's old as crap. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Briar? Oh, man. Um, you know, my one's going to go back to safety. And I know, I know uh, Zach, you said it a few times, but when you – when you bring a, a a dog out with you, not only are you have your yourself and your buddies that are with you, but now you got to worry about the dog. Yeah. So pay attention to your dog. Your dog will tell you because it's still gonna want to work. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if you have a good dog. The dog's still gonna want to work. 
doesn't matter how cold the dog is or how hot, you know, depending on the weather that right. dog is, you, you got to pay attention to your dog and know when it's time to say, all right, enough is enough. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Zach, what do you got for us? Man, I'll tell you what, if, if you can do one thing, man, and, and, and I'm not trying to damper it, just treat every single second with that pup, man, and, and just treat it like it's the last. Because, I mean, it, it certainly could be. And, I mean, you, you, you just got to savor every bit of it. Absolutely. Most definitely. We've come to the end of another episode. I don't have any new reviews this week. Daggummit. Son of a god. Leave us some reviews. You let us down. I know. But that's okay. Because you guys can still get into that Apple podcast, hit the far right hand star. Leave a re- you know, write a review. It says if you if you click on our podcast when you when you're when you're listening to it and you scroll all the way to the bottom, just above where you see those blank stars, if you haven't left a review, it says write a review. So you can hit the far right star and then click on write a review and allow you to actually type something in there. If you type something in there and leave us a review, we'll read it on the air. So get out there and do that. And on top of that, tell your friends about us. If you're enjoying it, you probably know somebody else who would enjoy it too. And word of mouth is the greatest advertisement. Mm -hmm. So get out there and tell your friends about us. We're coming up on our crawfish boil on May 1st. So if you haven't already bought your tickets, you need to make sure you're doing that so that we have enough crawfish for everybody. We had a lot of uh, mud runs down here get canceled, but we, we set it up on the Wekiver River so you guys can throw your mud boats in on the St. John's and run down to us. Um, that, that's about all I got. Am I forgetting something? No, oh, man. I think uh, our hats the Facebook should be, group should be happening with hats here pretty soon. Yeah. You know, the Facebook page in our group. Get on there. Yeah. At the, at the bottom of this um, podcast episode, you'll find links to that, our, our Facebook group, our Facebook page. You'll find links to join the BHA Facebook group, the BHA, to join BHA entirely. And, Zach, if you will tell us how to find you, I will put a link down there for that, too. Yeah. No, uh, uh, I can send you my uh, – I'll send you the social media links. But, man, I'll, I'll send you the website link, and I'll send you the uh, Gundog Academy link. But, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook. LinkedIn, don't really go on there, so don't look for updated stuff on there. <laughs> uh, what are your What are the names of your pages on Instagram and Facebook? Yeah, my bad. Uh, so Instagram is Southern Loon Retrievers PA for Pennsylvania. Uh, just look up Southern Loon Retrievers for Facebook and YouTube. Um, YouTube, I'm trying to grow, so you might find some funny stuff on there. Uh, besides that, everything else is just Southern Loon Retrievers, and then um, I'll, I will uh, – send you the link the link for the official website is southern loon retriever no s.com and then um i'll have to send you the link for the the course because it's a million gibberish things but yeah that's how i'll i'll definitely get that all added into the podcast description so you guys <laughs> don't even have to look for it you can just scroll down to the bottom and bam there's going to be click on it it'll send you right there yeah. so uh zach i really appreciate you joining us this week we had a good time great episode yeah, man. Appreciate it's good. hey thank you all for having me this is this is a really good experience <laughs> all right you have a good night yes sir you guys too